Hey, how's it going, Lakeland? This is City Commissioner Chad McLeod. Welcome back to a view from Lakeland City Hall. I am recording this on Tuesday, December 21st, on a rainy December day, getting ready for Christmas. want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, and it's hard to believe we're ending 2021. I was looking back at the commission meetings that we've had. I was trying to count how many meetings have we had this past year, and I counted 28, and that includes some of our budget meetings that are separate from the regular Monday meetings, but 28 official commission meetings. If you add another 28 agenda study meetings on Fridays, that's 56, and there's a lot of time that goes into uh, the commission, the work that we do, and and then you you know you add on to that the individual meetings that we all have with staff and city management team, and uh, the research and department tours and things that we do. It would be neat to capture all of that. I really don't. I don't. Uh, track all the hours that that I spend uh, as part of this role. But it is neat for me here at the end of the year to just look back and think about some of the things that we have done this year, the things we've accomplished, some of the things that are still on the list. You know, at the end of this episode, I want to talk about some of the things that I've learned in the past two years. And uh, I, this morning I was having breakfast with my friend and pastor, Tim Rice of Trinity Presbyterian Church. And uh, he was asking me uh, how things are going on the commission and how I'm liking it. And do I have moments where I want to quit? <laughs> and, and I laughed and said that, you know, I'm halfway through my first term. So two years into this and, and yes, there are challenging moments. There are some moments where you say, what did I get into here? Uh, but, and I'll talk about this more uh, at the end, I do enjoy it. And, and I really like this role and serving. And I feel like after two years now I'm, I'm, starting to get kind of a rhythm on on how um, we operate here locally as a commission and the dynamic that we have and the relationships with staff and all that just takes time. And uh, But uh, on this episode, I do want to cover some of the things that we have decided and discussed uh, in our past two December meetings, a um, couple of things, and, and I'll hit some highlights and things that you may be aware of if you've read news reports, or maybe some of this is new to you. One of the, the big items was the body camera package. Uh, you know, we had approved body cameras and funding those in our future budget years. We made that decision back in September. The final step in this was to approve a specific contract. And that was something that I had said from the beginning is that we always had uh, the ability to say yes or no at the final stage when we saw the specifics, the cost, uh, the deliverables, what are the things that our police department would be getting, and uh, this contract with Axon, that's the company that makes uh, the body-worn cameras and the technology that's coming along with it, there's a lot of uh, additional uh, items and technology, and I think that was one of the reasons why uh, the final contract passed 7-0. to zero. And so even uh, those who were hesitant to vote yes and voted no on body-worn cameras back in September voted yes for this contract. Uh, I mentioned the technology, there. this package. It includes updated tasers in our department. They're currently using uh, tasers with some outdated uh, technology. They still work, but it is not the latest in what uh, is out there with tasers. And these will integrate with the body cameras. There are uh, new dashboard cameras that will be uh, put into the cars. We currently use those, but these will, again, they'll all be integrated into the same technology. And uh, there's cloud storage that, that is part of this, and it's standard. And so currently, the dash cameras that we have, uh, we're using 
um, physical storage. I don't know if it's DVDs or you know, exactly you know the format, but uh, all of the footage and the data that's required, and you can imagine there's probably a lot you have a large department and a lot of footage from both body-worn cameras and your dashboard cameras, but it's all stored uh, virtually uh, through this company, and there's a lot of security that goes goes along with that. Uh, the virtual reality training uh, goggles uh, that will be part of this package, and this was something that it was not, I wasn't aware of this, I didn't know this was coming back in the final contract, but I think it's a great tool from what I can tell that um, you know, our officers will be able to train in virtual settings in you know, high-risk, high-intensity scenarios, working on de-escalation techniques and things that I think you could, as best you can, without being uh, you know, in a real-life situation. So that will be part of the package. Uh, all of this came slightly under budget. We were thinking just over a million dollars a year, uh, and this ca- came in uh, a little bit under that, 900000 and and some change. And so that's always good when we can um, exceed our expectations on budget and, and not quite uh, spend as much as we had, had anticipated. It is, it is expensive. And I mean, that was one of my concerns from the beginning is the cost of it. And uh, But we were able to lock in uh, this rate uh, for the next 10 years. And so that is something that, that is important. And I think it was a great uh, effort uh, by our police leadership team. I know uh, Lieutenant Fitzgerald, who took time with me recently just to give me a demonstration of the whole thing and how it works and uh, what it brings, the the efficiencies and the technology that it brings to our department that some other agencies are using. Uh, Assistant Police Chief Hans Lehman was a big part of that effort. And he mentioned the, I think it's Pinellas County Sheriff's Office and another somewhat local agency. They're using uh, the same package as well. So we see other agencies, uh, good size sheriff's offices, police departments that are um, you know, using the same package. And so to me as a commissioner, as a leader, that is encouraging uh, to see that, to see that we're in, we're in good company there. We had uh, last Friday after our agenda study, a water workshop is what I'm calling it. It was an update by the executive director, uh, who's also a deputy county manager with Polk County from the Polk Regional Water Cooperative. And we talk, we call it the PRWC. Uh, one thing you learn quickly in local government is that it's acronym soup. I mean, there are acronyms everywhere and people use them all the time and PRWC and it it can quickly become this shared jargon and language that we use as commissioners and staff. And I always want to be mindful of that, that most of the people out there have no idea when I say PRWC, what that means. My wife, Erin, is a great gauge for me on what people, uh, have common knowledge of what they understand, what they care about, what they don't, because I will say something and she'll say, what does that mean? Who, who understands that? No one does, or you need to explain that better. So PRWC, the, the water cooperative, it's made up of Polk County, City of Lakeland, City of Winter Haven, Bartow, Davenport, Mulberry, every municipality in the county is part of the cooperative. And we work alongside the Southwest Florida Water Management District. And it, it was formed several years ago to to create a regional approach to uh, the future water needs for the Polk County region and really looking at water consumption and future water usage as a regional and I even say statewide issue because it is. It's, it's I think in years past, individual governments, cities, counties, we've always kind of had this uh, singular approach to how much water does our city need? How much water does our county need? How many millions of gallons per day MGDs. You hear there's another one acronym that is thrown out. How, how much do we need? What do we project that we're going to need? It's easy to be in this silo and think only about our city. But 
water resources and the availability of water going into the future, it, it does not you know, stop at, at the city limits or the county line. And this is the, the water sources are being used by, as you can imagine, uh, governments, counties, cities, and, and the entire state. And so the update for us on Friday was uh, continuing discussions about developing alternative water supplies. Now, what does that mean? Well, currently, uh, the water that we use in the city of Lakeland and most of Polk County is coming from what is called the Upper Floridan Aquifer. This was all new to me when I came into office, and I've met with our water department. I've met with staff from the Southwest Florida Water Management District, many briefings on, okay, just walk me through the basics of the science of the technical side of this. So there's this aquifer and the water that is part of that, it is replenished as we use it as a city, as a county. Uh, it's replenished when there's rainfall, uh, when you know, it, through, through our lakes and our rivers and streams, it all seeps into this upper Floridan aquifer. And uh, right now, we, the, the amount of water that we use, uh, the aquifer can handle that. Going into the future, so you think of population growth, industry growth, economic development, all of that requires more water. And there is a point in the future where that aquifer, the strain on it, potentially starts to have environmental impacts. We start to see lower uh, levels in our lakes and our rivers and our streams. The message to us from the staff of the Water Cooperative is that we cannot rely forever on this upper Floridan aquifer as a source of, of our water needs indefinitely for forever into the future. And so we're developing and working on how do we develop alternative water supply sources going into what's called the lower Floridan aquifer, which is deeper. We have to drill wells and it's expensive. It's expensive and costly to, to drill uh, that deep. Uh, the water that comes out, uh, it's brackish, it's dirtier. It has to be treated. The, the current water coming from the upper aquifer has to be treated as well, but the process isn't as involved uh, compared to bringing this water up from a, a deeper source. So we were talking about funding. There is a new well that we are committed as a city to being part of uh, with the water cooperative. And, and by that, I mean paying for it, investing uh, in uh, the infrastructure, what it's going to cost to dig that well and get it up and running. And we're talking, I mean, this is not going to be online until I think 2025, 2027. So we're, we're out a ways. And we were even saying that this will, the decisions we make as a city, as a water cooperative uh, will affect Residents here long after uh, we are have moved on from our roles as commissioners, and so that's important. These are they're big decisions. It's uber technical, and I think it's easy to get lost in uh, some of the discussions on water. Uh, but it was very helpful. It was a good briefing. Uh, Mayor Mutz is our representative to the Water Cooperative, so he attends those meetings with other representatives from you know, the county and other cities. I'm the alternate on that. Uh, cooperative. So if the mayor is out, I step into uh, his seat. And so with that role, even though I'm not always at the meetings when he's there, um, I have to be briefed and ready to step in if there's there's a need for that. So something we definitely are keeping an eye on uh, into the future. Another item that we uh, talked about and approved a, another contract involves the airport and a study to uh, figure out the best way to get planes particularly the Amazon planes that, you know, we've had complaints about noise and how do we reduce the noise and 
change routes of those planes so they're not flying directly over grasslands in some of the areas and flying low uh, as well. And so there have been efforts ongoing uh, to uh, redesign the landing uh, route, so, you know, planes coming into the airport and have them come down South Florida Avenue and then go over the parkway and, and land that way. And, and a lot of time was spent developing uh, what was called a visual approach. So pilots would visually be able to see, you know, this is the route we're going and, and we're following the parkway. And this was all done uh, under, I think this is where it gets a little frustrating as a city, under the guidance of the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA. And our airport director was very clear uh, at our meeting yesterday and Friday at the agenda study that the FAA controls airspace. As an airport, as a city, we don't we don't control it. Now, that doesn't mean that we just sit back and just throw our hands up and say we have we can't do anything. Our airport director, Gene Conrad, has worked tirelessly to try and find solutions and uh, get uh, these planes rerouted and, and make it so that the noise issues that we're having now, low flying planes over people's houses, that we minimize that as much as we can. I think there's always going to be an element of that having an airport. And you know, when you live uh, in neighborhoods that are uh, in flight paths or, you know, your, your landing patterns. I know when Aaron and I were first married, we lived just south of the Tampa airport and um, did a lot of planes would fly over our house frequently. But, but we want to uh, recognize that uh, there's some unique considerations going on here where in you know the past a lot of planes haven't been able to get up as high as quickly as we would like because of the restrictions from uh, the Tampa airspace and the involvement of the Tampa air traffic controller and so just working through all of that uh, on Monday we approved a contract to hire one of the FAA's preferred vendors a company called Hughes Aerospace Corporation that will create a parkway approach instead of the visual method that I mentioned earlier where pilots would use um, landmarks and the roads as, as their guide, uh, in this case, uh, they would be using uh, an instrumentation method. So flying uh, based on their instruments and um, Gene Conrad, airport director, stated that this is, if we have this approach and plan in place, it allows planes to to land this way in all conditions, not just when visibility is good, but uh, they can use their instruments in, in any situation. And so maybe in the long term, this will be a better solution to have, but it does take more time. It's going to take another year uh, to get this approach um, developed uh, by Hughes Aerospace and in place. And, and we're still, you know, one of the questions I asked, is it possible that the FAA would not approve this? Gene said it, it, there's that possibility. I mean, we're hopeful that since they are recommending we go this route, uh, that it will be approved. And by this time next year, it is in place. And we see fewer of these big planes flying uh, over residential neighborhoods at low altitudes. And so that's what we're working toward. And, and we are uh, committed to that. And so it's something that we will be you know, continuing to follow uh, into the new year. The other item on yesterday's agenda was the approval of a modification uh, to the Morgan Creek tracks B and C, and that is off of Pipkin Road. This is another development that's out in southwest Lakeland. Morgan Creek Tract A is currently a, a development. It's a neighborhood. It's a gated community, so it's already been developed. The zoning for this area, it was already residential, but there were some changes that were made on the lot size, the number of houses, and couple of other things. And so because of that, it requires approval from the Planning and Zoning Board and ultimately the City Commission. But we were not 
changing in terms of, you know, it wasn't zoned for commercial and now we're zoning it residential. It was, it had had that residential designation going back many years. And so that was, it was an item that took up a lot of time. A lot of these development proposals uh, come with some controversy. In this case, we really didn't have a, there were several different pockets of residents who had concerns. Some are just in the surrounding area in Southwest Lakeland, who I think are rightly uh, concerned about transportation and infrastructure and flooding. And as we continue to add development to that area, that we, we have to be thoughtful and careful, or we're going to turn around in a couple of years and realize it's overbuilt and there's not the infrastructure to support it. And I can tell you that that is a priority as something that is it is in every discussion that we have as a commission when it comes to development. And with Southwest Lakeland growing at the rate that it is, it is something that I, I think we have to uh, keep as an area of focus and one that we uh, just continue to beat the drum of we need to have the right infrastructure uh, in the right planning and at the staff level, there's there is a lot of work, a lot of work that's being done. So I, I want to recognize, you know, our city transportation, uh, public works, and all of those folks. But a lot of these, um, when you have a boundary like Southwest Lakeland, where there are county roads, uh, the county line, and so Polk County is a player in this as well. And so it is a it makes it at times it's just a little more complicated because you have other. Uh, it's not just the city of Lakeland that's involved in this one. So uh, that was approved, um, ultimately approved. There were some uh, concerns. The, the current residents of Tract A they had as well just regarding their homeowners association and, and how that will work moving forward. And so taking the time to hear all of those, uh, whether it's a complaint or a word of caution or something that our residents are telling us, I think that issue alone took about two hours, and uh, they often do. They're just uh, development and growth. There are a lot of considerations uh, that come with that. So I want to close out this episode and talk for the next, I don't know, five or ten minutes about the things I've learned in my first two years as a commissioner. And I said a couple of episodes back that I was going to write a blog post on this, and I still might. But as I was just jotting down some notes earlier in the week, I thought this would be good to cover on the podcast. And so I stepped into office at the beginning of 2020, and I remember telling people that I thought it was a great time to come into local office, especially in the city of Lakeland, because we were in a strong financial position. Uh, we had a lot of momentum. I, on the campaign trail, I talked a lot about Lakeland being on the cusp of uh, great things uh, as a city and just the, the growth and economic development and, and things that I really thought, uh, and still do, I, I still believe that. However, as we all know, we uh, 2020 took a turn that none of us would have expected or predicted. So January and February were relatively normal in the sense of local government and being a, a city commissioner. And then in March, it's the the world was upended and things changed and have you know we're still feeling those effects and uh, at times dealing with some of those issues from COVID nineteen. And so that it just it was a you're already, as a newly elected official, you're in many ways drinking from a fire hose and trying to, to process everything that's coming at you and learn and get up to speed on issues. And then we had all of the other COVID procedures 
openings, closing, mass debates, things that we would not have predicted. But so looking back in all of that and just the other issues that we have faced and, and dealt with over the past two years, I came up with 10 things that I've learned. I didn't set out for this to be 10. It just kind of happened. I had nine and then thought, oh, I'm going to find one more. But number one, governing is rarely easy. And a lot of the decisions that we have to make and are faced with are difficult. And uh, there are many sides to issues. And so it's just, it's not an easy role. Number two, you have to deal with the unexpected. And the unexpected uh, takes up a lot of time and, it, and bandwidth uh, in, in many cases. And if I think about the things that we have faced and some of the controversial issues and some of the things that uh, we've had meetings and, and hours of discussion are in response to events, maybe they're national events that have happened, maybe things that are going on at whether the state and federal level or just uh, the pandemic itself was unexpected. And so that that will be the same in, in 2022. There will be unexpected things that will drive and influence our agenda to some extent. Number three, growth and change are hard. And uh, this is a theme that runs through my podcast is that growth decisions are difficult. Uh, we have many people who are moving here into Florida and into Lakeland, and that presents difficulties. Change in itself can can be hard when things have been a certain way or there's you know, a community has looked a certain way or the, the, the infrastructure, the buildings and, and things that just when it changes, a lot of times, I think just by our nature, sometimes as human beings, that can be can be difficult. Number four, leadership means taking on tough issues. And it would be easy sometimes just to pass on things. Um, uh, but I think as city leaders, we are tasked with looking at at the things that are difficult as a city and taking those on and determining a direction for the city of Lakeland. And I think of the body camera discussion here. You know, this was one that I, I said that ideally, maybe I wouldn't be in this position of having to make this decision, but it came to us as a commission, as leaders of the city. And that means we have to step into issues that, that at times are, are difficult. Number five, people want to be heard. And I find this in so many situations. People, you all are appreciative when you get an email back, when uh, one of us picks up the phone to call and say, tell me about what's on your mind. Why are you concerned about this? Um, I have sat down with many groups and said, I don't know that I will support what you're asking me to do, but I will listen. I'm here and, and people genuinely appreciate that. Of course, I know when, when you come to the commission and you want us to take a certain action, that's your ultimate desire. But what I have found is that many times people just, they, they want their voices to be heard and they want people to feel like they're listening, which leads me to number six, the ability to listen well is critical. I think as politicians, elected officials, there is a temptation to speak and to, to say what we want to say and to, are we saying the right thing and are we, are we strong in our message? And, but I have found that the first step in communicating and, and as one who uh, runs a public relations and communications business, I still have to remind myself this, that the first step is to listen well. What is it that people are saying? Uh, and how does that, I, I need to take time for that before I formulate what I'm going to say. Because if not, you know, I'm missing important and valuable information. Number seven, we hear from all sides. 
And I have described being in this role as it's almost like you're in a seat where you get a 360 degree viewpoint of many issues and and you hear from all sides of the community when there is an issue particularly that has different and, and opposing perspectives. As a resident before I was on the commission and as a candidate, I think it's easy to say, well, I would never, I wouldn't do this or that. And, but when you're, and when you're in the chair and, and you have the 360 degree viewpoint and you hear from all sides, that plays into your thinking uh, on, on some level. And so it gives you a, a, a different perspective on things that, that you're considering. Number eight, we can be agreeable in our disagreement. Uh, this is one that I feel strongly about. I think that the uh, as neighbors, as city residents, as Lakelanders, as Americans, we uh, this is something that it, it is discouraging on the national scale to see the the amount of disagreement and uh, the just political vitriol at times. And I think the art of saying we can agreeably disagree is something that needs to make a comeback. And it's something that as a, a civic leader that I always want to be committed to, that when we disagree uh, on the dais at City Hall, that we're agreeable in that, that we're respectful in our disagreement, that at the end of the vote, that wherever it lands, that we, in many ways, like the Supreme Court, there may be passion in our dissent, but we respect the body, we respect the process, that we are civil in the way that we represent the city. Number nine, we make mistakes and we don't always get it right. I would like to think that we do. I would like, and again, that's something that as elected officials, maybe there's a tendency to uh, not admit those mistakes, but I know, I mean, there've been times where I've looked back and thought, did I, did I get that right? Was that the, the vote that I, you know, was that right? Um, did I miss something? We're not perfect. And, and so there are times when people can remind us of that, and they certainly do. And, and that is uh, that is the role of the citizenry uh, to, you know, if we are, I will often say to people, you know, let us know if we go off the rails somewhere, because we're, we are not perfect. We will make mistakes uh, throughout the process. We try to minimize those, and we try to learn from them so we don't repeat them. Number 10, and I said this at the beginning uh, when I was talking about my breakfast this morning, I enjoy, and I put this in parentheses almost, every minute of it. I really do love the role of serving as a city commissioner, and I think it's an experience that if every resident could have, even if it's just for a couple of days or a short season, there are some of you out there who think, no way, you could not pay me enough money to do it. But it, it is, it's unique. It is something where you learn so much about the community in which you live and its people. Uh, on Saturday, I had the chance to uh, go be part of a grand opening and a ribbon cutting ceremony for La Iglesia Casa de Amor y Fe. And that's uh, the Church of Love and Faith. Um, I, I think I've said this on this podcast before that I speak Spanish. I lived in Venezuela when I was in college. And so it was a chance for me to go and share with our Spanish speaking community and, and say a few words in, in Espanol. Um, and, and I just I was telling that group that one of my favorite parts of this job is the people you meet who otherwise you probably would not cross their path. And there you, you uh, get to see their organizations, their ministries, the, what they do in the community, and it gives you a new perspective and appreciation on that. So I, I really do. I enjoy even the complexities, the challenging and thorny issues that come before us, um, because they do require uh, all of the things that I've mentioned before. Uh, they're not easy, um, but it it is vitally important to uh, both the everyday functioning of the city, but also the long-term success and, and future 
uh, of the city of Lakeland. So those are the 10 things uh, that I've learned. Governing is rarely easy. You have to deal with the unexpected. Growth and change are hard. Leadership means taking on tough issues. People want to be heard. The ability to listen well is critical. We hear from all sides. We can be agreeable in our disagreement. We make mistakes, and I enjoy almost every minute of it. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast, Lakelanders. I'll be back in 2022. If there's a topic or a person from within the city you would like to hear from and have on this podcast, please uh, let me know. Chad.McLeod, that's M-C-L-E-O-D, Chad.McLeod at LakelandGov.net. Please email me. Any feedback, uh, I'd look to uh, certainly continue this, but my goal always has been to do this after every commission meeting. So like today, it's the Tuesday after the Monday meeting. That's ideally when I'm recording this and keeping this out twice a month. Sometimes it's just hard to do schedule-wise, but I am committed to continuing this podcast. I can't wait to get back in here uh, in 2022. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy New Year. Enjoy your holidays. Uh, Be safe, and we'll see you back again next year. 